0: Definition of wisdom is the intersection of both knowledge and experience. And so, what I found was the consultants had massive knowledge, far bigger brains than mine, better education, the whole thing. And in my case, paid six million dollars a year for that consulting firm deck. And board loved it; great information. The problem is there was no E. And again, I'm not being critical. That's a brilliant business model. But for me as a leader, there was no E. There was nobody to tell me, "Okay, here's all these facts. Now, guess what?" I've done this, and if you go down road A, you're going to get run over.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Craig Lemasters. Craig's the author of a very interesting book titled Unstuck How to Activate and Unlock the Wisdom of Others. He's also CEO of GXG, a consulting firm based in Atlanta. And in our conversation, we're going to talk about what it means to be stuck as an organization and as an individual, and more importantly, how to get unstuck, per the title of Craig's excellent book. In short, if you're not making progress at the speed you want to be, if your day-to-day work is a flurry of activity without a lot of impact to show for it, then you're definitely stuck. And in our conversation, Craig and I talk about the impact of being stuck. And then we dive into a learning technique that Craig uses when he's actually used when he's running a $2 billion organization to help him get unstuck. It's called rapid cycle learning, otherwise known as wisdom-based learning. So we dig into that, and it's also then built into the five steps that Craig has defined for helping you get unstuck. I love these, especially the intellectual humility and vulnerability step. You know, if you're stuck and you want to get unstuck, you can only make it happen if you admit that you need help. Well, we get into this and much, much more, but before we get to Craig, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Craig, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Andy. I love your work and
0: love this topic. So looking forward to our conversation.
1: Oh, great. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, you've recently published a book called Unstuck, How to Activate Unlock the Wisdom of Others, which yeah, wasn't written specifically for sales, but but certainly applies to sales in many respects. I certainly yeah, absolutely. read it with a, a sales lens, if you will, and, sure. and um, we'll get into that. So, yeah. first of all, Excellent book and uh, perfect length <laughs> book. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was a
0: controversial thing. I mean, who writes a hundredish, just over a hundred page book? But I've actually gotten more compliments on that than maybe the content. So I don't know how to take it, but I'll take it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, well, the content was good. It was. It was. I, I'm laughing because I'm struggling myself because I just uh. submitted first draft of my latest manuscript to my publisher. And actually was I like to say it was the third first draft of the latest I love book, it. and yeah, uh, yeah between <laughs> between the second and third first drafts, it. And I'm trying to write a, you know, 150 page book max. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, awesome. no, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, but between drafts, I added like <laughs> almost 100 pages. of oh, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah, it. Yeah. it. was like the Mark Twain thing, or yeah, no, a, I, a tribute I, to Mark I, Twain. Yeah, I to I write hear it. you.
0: I hear you. I hear you. I, I was up to two hundred fifty and got some super wise counsel to use our own business model. The <laughs> very wise person said, "This is not a two hundred. I mean, be for you, but you know, the because the concepts I'm working on are very simple, and I wanted to make them that way." So <laughs> yeah, so they, I had a lot of great help getting, getting it to that size. But uh, well, you know, yeah, good, I do yeah.
1: I'm taking inspiration from you on that. So <laughs> yeah, I <appreciate> um, that. <laughs> maybe not hundred, but we'll get it down. So uh, so, what was the motivation to write the book? Well, it really came from clients. I mean, I,
0: you know, and I got into this to do this advisory work, you know, after I did corporate work, that's, you know, sort of my history and story. I've got a chance to run a big company and I just bumped into so many really wise people and started kind of working on what became the GXG methodology. And it worked, it went out for a couple of years and, and it was a blast because it had worked for me running a big company and then it started to work for others. And so I just had clients that said, Hey, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. Why don't you put it in a book? And, and candidly, I'd like to say that was a big life time vision or dream but i never thought mm. about it and and just had some some really cool people around me that sort of helped me do it and think about it and yeah and, and it's been it's been great again i didn't write this for uh, as an off best selling author concept i think the work is extremely po- important and having it documented has been incredible and, and we've gotten we've gotten great response to it and 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 one of the things that was really important to me i don't know if you picked up on it but i thought i only want to write this if i can get six, eight, ten operators, people that have actually used these concepts to Mm -hmm. endorse it. And I will tell you my personal favorite part about the book is I just have amazing clients that have stood up for the book. And that was kind of the most important thing to me.
1: Right. Well, let's take a step back and sort of dive into that. So one, you were at the time, you were CEO of an assurance company, one that many of our listeners probably interacted with at some point or another <laughs> um, if you bought like extended warranties right, and right. So, on. so tell us your company's assurance so tell us what assurance did.
0: Yeah, exactly right. We're a niche insurance company, services company, and our lead products over the years started credit insurance. We morphed into uh, service contracts. Doing, if you think about it, anything that has a warrant is a warrantable hard good. We were we were usually the name behind that, and then that morphed into the wireless space. We became the leader provider of leading, leading provider of protection for wireless devices. And then, for my journey, the big part of the, that I had a blast with the last ten years was taking our business model global. And um, yeah, so that's what we did. Really cool niche stuff, great business model. And uh, I tell people all the time, Andy, that I summarize it by I literally think I had the best big company job anybody could have. I got to be CEO for 11 years and just got to do stuff I, I kind of never dreamed I'd get a chance to
1: do. So it was a it was a great ride. But as you described in the book, you, you reached the point where you felt stuck in this one oh. transformation you had to go through. And, and yeah. so you... Sought the help of this company, GXG, that yeah. you ultimately left your job <laughs> and purchased. <laughs> so, it's so tell simple. us about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: bumped into this guy, and he was a friend, entrepreneur. He had, you know, started a bunch of different companies. So I always enjoyed meeting with him because it was that kind of other side of the brain. You know, when you're running a big company, you get a little fixated internally. So I love meeting with him, and he he had the original the core of the idea has not changed. We've morphed the business dramatically of how we execute. But the the, the idea is really simple, which is, wow. And he didn't use the word stuck. That was actually my word early Uh on. He had a lot of fancy consulting words. And I said, wow, let me simplify this. I'm stuck on these two things. (laughs) And I said, if you're telling me you know people that have that have done these things and in my vernacular gotten unstuck and they're willing to come in and sit around a table and help me do that, you know, I'm all in because I don't have any big, I don't have any more ideas. I mean, I'd paid millions of dollars for consulting decks. I had hired different people. I was buying companies and we were still stuck on these two topics. And I thought, why not try it? And so I did it and it was a game changer. I'll tell you, Andy, not to be too dramatic, but it changed the way I thought about leaders learning forever. And Mm -hmm. so I did it there and then I started using the techniques and we actually built the processes because he was early in his company. And so my team sort of helped him build it. And then, um, when i told the board that um uh, when i was going to leave which my whole idea was great succession plan i'd really love to leave and go just do different things uh, I'm, I'm healthy and and um and I'd like to try some things on my own and literally had, it's a true story. I had coffee with this guy, at Dunkin' Donuts. He called me out of the blue and said, hey, you know, we have coffee. The so guy that was the starter. Yeah, just the, the, the guy the started founder it. founder so, of GXG. GXG, so exactly. So we have coffee and he was trying to figure out how to scale it and, you know, what to do with it. And I said, hey, I love this idea. If you're still, you know, kind of doing it, um, I love it and bought the company at Dunkin' Donuts and went home and told my <laughs> wife. I found something to do, so. <laughs> Which she was thrilled about because she was probably really
1: happy about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: after after you know twenty seven years traveling four hundred thousand miles a year and you know I'd been around the house for a couple of months, she was thrilled. So
1: yeah, yeah, a story she turned out she liked you traveling all that. Oh so, yeah, it all yeah. <laughs> Well, so mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. So just you know to go back to this this methodology. I mean you you yeah. said you're a CEO of a big company. You'd spent yeah. probably millions of dollars with the traditional big consulting companies as you had transformation. But the thing that was sort of the epiphany, if we will, without you know indulging in that necessarily, is that, that GXG's MO was what you call this rapid cycle learning was right. I'm going to, uh, instead of fancy consultants, I'm going to talk with people that actually have done this job or something right. like this job that we need to accomplish. You call yeah. them operators. Yeah. And right. that you found that way more cost-effective, way more effective, way more cost-effective than the consultants you've been using before.
0: Yeah, that's a great summary of it. I I feel now like I could have written the book or have you do it in 12 pages, so this is good. (laughs) No, really, because that's a great summary of it, and and I tell people all the time that I don't ever want to try to overcomplicate this and make it something it's not. It is that simple where I just believe that the majority of things that as leaders we get stuck on that we are trying to do, um, somebody else has figured it out. I mean, there may be a few things if you're going to do the next iPhone or something, but most of us as leaders, we're we're trying to solve for things other people are doing. Where we get in trouble is when we get outside of our core business and we're trying to do new stuff, right? There's another technical consulting term. And that's what I was trying to do at Assurant. We kept, as I said, we kept trying to morph the company. We were great at our core business, but guess what? Core businesses tend to go away. (laughs) So when we wanted to do new stuff, and new stuff is hard. And the reason is, that's why I put that little formula there that W equals K times E. My definition of wisdom is the intersection of both knowledge and experience. And so what I found was the consultants had Massive knowledge, far bigger brains than mine, better education, the whole thing. And in my case, paid $6 million a year for that consulting firm deck. And board loved it. Great information. The problem (laughs) is there was no E. And again, I'm not being critical of that. It's a brilliant business model. But for me as a leader, there was no E. There was nobody to tell me, okay, here's all these facts. Now, guess what? I've done this. And if you go down road A, you're going to get run over right? Oh, wait a minute. That's not in the deck. Yeah, it's not because this is how it works. It mm-hmm. B is a better road. And it really is that simple. Um, Now, again, there's lots of tentacles where we go down depending on the engagements and the topics, but that's the beauty of it. If you put the right wisdom in the room on any topic, I think we've been through about 12 different industries and several hundred topics. um, it's, It's super fun, Andy, watching that little sort of secret sauce happen, which is people sharing their wisdom for one purpose, and that's getting People unstuck. This is not about all knowing wisdom and pontificating. This is about getting people unstuck, and it's a blast. I'll have to tell you, it, it's I love, it, it was so helpful for me, and I just love seeing very complex, stuck issues get solved. And we trademark rapid cycle learning because this is how we were supposed to learn, I believe, and this moves very quickly. Very quickly. I mean, and you're a perfect example on that with your background and experience and knowledge and sales. 10 minutes with you is worth hours or in some cases decades with other people. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, I'd like to believe that. Um, so. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's let's. Uh, start with your equation, because I like books with equations. I've, I, I've, <laughs> I've got <laughs> whole, whole slide decks full of, of oh, well, equations it. where I've reduced sales to equations, because I yeah. think it's a, f- a fun way to look at things. Yep. So, yeah, you talk about wisdom equals knowledge multiplied by experience, but but you had you know, a couple definitions in the book I thought were really interesting, too, that you had cited. One, uh, somebody defined as expertise in the fundamental pragmatics of life. And I thought, that's a great a great view of wisdom.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and I, I love it as well because, again, I, th- I think. One of the things, fortunately, early on somebody taught me is we we tend to overcomplicate a lot of these right. things in right. leadership and business in general. Absolutely. And if we really strip it back, there's only a couple things that matter. So I love the whole pragmatic concept, the approach, um, and, and again, finding people that have that specific wisdom, not not other wisdom. And that's just a very practical sort of pragmatic approach.
1: Yeah, I mean, I take a very similar approach on sales. I, I Yeah. I say there are four things you need to know, or you need to have in sales. Yeah. But it's you know the ability to connect, yeah, curiosity, yep, uh, understanding, and some level of acumen, love and it. you don't really need anything else. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I if, love it. If you can do that, what else is there? I couldn't agree more. And yeah. Um, yeah well, that simplicity no, I, I think is is so critical' because it's you know we're certainly in an age in, in certainly a lot of segments of the sales world where technology has created this this complexity um in terms of you know automating processes and what I call sort of the mechanization of of sales that what we're finding is that yeah we can do all these things, but it's not making people perform at higher levels oh, as no, you would expect. I, I, to, I couldn't agree more. So that addition of technology has yeah. hasn't helped in the regard that we want, which is sort of true in, across our economy in general. Oh,
0: it, it absolutely is, and, and and now unfortunately, see, because I shared with you before we started, my core background was in sales, so now I'm fixated on your four things, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it, it's so smart because if I think about connecting, in in and my vernacular would be the relationship part yep. of it, and how I do that. Curiosity is us asking the right questions and mm-hmm. just questions in general. And I've got to dissect all that and synthesize it and actually give something valuable back and do it in a way that's fairly articulate to me as the acumen. And I'm like, that's a very cool way to describe and, and, and say that's all you need. That's, that's, cool. I love that.
1: Well, when I looked at your equation, wisdom equals knowledge multiplied by experience. Is increasingly, I sort of look at, at not when I hear it, the word knowledge or see the word knowledge, yeah. I replace it with understanding. Uh huh. Because I think that's what you're hiring these operators to do is they understand, not just that they know, but yeah. they understand. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because we have a lot of information in the world, but yeah, you know, how does it transition from being information to knowledge? Is as people understand how the context in which you apply it. Oh yeah. And and
0: I I love that. And I I love how people sort of play and massage the formula a little bit because, you know, another way to think about that would be it's this intersection of knowledge and experience that actually creates the understanding, which to me, I could even substitute for wisdom. So uh, I love the way we can sort of ebb and flow the formula for what, you know, feels right in terms of the, the language and the meeting. But I don't think the concept Changes, right? Yeah, or it's got to be. It's got to be both. <laughs> That's my only point.
1: So, how do you how do you find yeah. <laughs> in your business these operators yeah. that that because it seems like that'd be a substantial part of your business? You take on a new it client. Is, yeah. It's like, yeah, I need to find something that matches mm-hmm. up. And it's funny. There was there was a or is I guess a, a business that started a startup in New York, the in Manhattan that that uh, was matching in a sales perspective, was matching operators, sort of using your words. So if you were trying to get into Deloitte, let's say, is they had recruited sort of this roster of people that had been at Deloitte, and knew how to navigate Deloitte, and you could sort of hire these people as as sort of your, they call it an emissary, as your emissary to help you uh, perhaps be more effective selling within that organization. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love those kind of concepts.
0: And when we get into the sales piece, I can share with you some of our sort of advisory board work we do around um, sort of your core topic. But the the simple answer on the finding people is, Mm -hmm. it's actually one of the favorite parts of our business model, is um, people love to share their wisdom. And the the key is you have to ask them in the right way and you have to make it extremely easy for them to do it. Right. right and and it's super rewarding um, we have an enormous network now of people that have worked with us that love sharing their wisdom what I hear the most is this whole spirit of reciprocity I think is alive and well-meaning mm-hmm. yeah I'll go do your stuff Craig because I always learn more than than they do is my feeling mm-hmm. and and that's just kind of grown. Uh, exponentially the last four years. Typically, whether it's an advisory board or we have a, uh, an interesting way we do uh, leader coaching um, with these this network of people. Uh, but inevitably they finish one of our engagements helping us and they just want to tell other people about it. And they want to do um, more of it. Um, and we've got a great team that does the outreach and explains it. And we want people to buy into our methodology. And we've had great, we've just been very fortunate people. It's different. It's very unique than traditional consulting, very different than, as you know, there's a lot of companies out there now that do these um, these conversations with people, some really good companies where they pay for an hour to talk to a tax expert or a legal expert. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. business model, but it's not what we're doing. We, we are very narrow and deep because, again, I'm an operator. My passion is I want to get you unstuck, and I want to see a smile back on the leadership team's face <laughs> because we got a future. Most of my first conversations, I, it's just been fun. I've gotten to meet hundreds of C sweeters the last couple of years, and a lot of them are clients now. And my first conversation. Is, is almost universally the same. When I get introduced to somebody or the first meeting and I get a chance to sit down with them, it's like, wow, that look on your face and the way your office looks, looks a lot like mine did 12 years ago before some of this stuff Started to help me. Right. And um and and I mean that. I mean, I have a lot of passion for this because I sat in that chair for a long time, eleven years, or as a public company, we call that 44 quarters. <laughs> and you know what that means, right? Yep. It's it's yep. a hard job. There are they're just super hard jobs. So I have a lot of empathy for that. And part of my motivation is man, I got this little secret sauce that I was fortunate to learn and I want to share it. And you know, if you want to try it, great. If not, then you know others are really Enjoying it,
1: and it seems to me. I mean, so first is is your definition of stuck. Let's dive into that because you talk (laughs) about the further change takes you from your core competency. That's right, and the greater the likelihood of being stuck, and you phrase as an organization, but you know we do have the sales audiences listening. It applies to you as an individual as well.
0: Oh, absolutely! In fact, we're already working on a. a cool second edition to the book because since I started doing that book and I won't tell you how long ago because even though it's 100 pages it took me a while um, <laughs> part of it was paring it down like we said but sure. but since then um, our coaching practice has really taken off we call it impact coaching and, and, and it's the same methodology as having wise people teach very specific things to leaders that are stuck individually so you're exactly right um, the methodology we found works just as well both when people are stuck as an organization, but also leaders, because that's what an organization is, is just a compilation of people, right? And most of our clients today do our corporate stuck work which is really through an advisory board format and well, as well do multiple leaders working through the same methodology individually mm-hmm. um, and, and the same thing applies Andy where you know my hypothesis has been and I think we've proven this is that where our work really helps is not around the fringe of the core right I mean if you're not doing that well and you're stuck there's there's some other issues that right. we should, talk about. Right. That's more systemic issues, That's right? More systemic issues. But right. what, what I mean by this is, and, and what i found over the years is we always thought that moving outside of the core meant, you know, I make water bottles, now I'm going to make chairs as an extreme example. And that'd be pretty extreme and you'd probably get mm-hmm. stuck. But what I, what I found is you don't have to move that far from the core. And what happens to that wisdom formula, the knowledge and experience, it doesn't go down <laughs> incrementally, unfortunately. It's exponential. And this is the trap that I fell in. I mean, everything I do right now is because they were traps I fell in. And that's where I was struggling. I thought I was just moving slightly to another sort of different variation of the business model. And we just collapse. We struggle. We got stuck. Um, and, and it frustrated me. It's like, wait a minute. we got a great team and I'm super smart. We're all super smart. And all of a sudden, when I learned this stuff, I realized if you really dissect it, we actually have a probability exercise we take people through now to diagnosis. It takes, you know, 20 minutes, not hard. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute, our real knowledge and experience just fell off the cliff. No wonder we're stuck, right? And so that, that that's why... But again, the same methodology works for an individual. And we call them moments that matter, right? Mm. So, think about organizations, what do we do? You, you, when do moments that matter? When we get promoted, so we have new stuff to work on. Or this happens a lot where boss comes in and just piles on a bunch of new stuff, and you haven't even been promoted, but you're supposed to go execute, right? You right. might be in succession for another job. Those are all moments that matter,
1: right? Or a so- new boss.
0: or or a new boss. But so how are we supposed to, because inevitably you're going to move outside of your core of what you were doing to something new. So what do we do as organizations to help people do that? And I would argue, because we did this, not much. (laughs) <laughs> Not much. We talk about it a lot and we send people to little classes or we say we're going to have a mentoring program in the company. That was always my favorite. Or we're going to rotate people around. And guess right. what? We usually don't do that. And if we do, how many peers actually tell other people their
1: secret sauce? Not many. It's human well, nature. <laughs> right. So, but here's a question for you. Sure. Because it just triggered a thought is, is, yes, yeah, as people, as you start moving, you say away from your core competency is yeah. what you think are sort of, hey, I can see where I am and I can see where I need to be. I just don't realize there's this huge yawning chasm between me and and that where I want to go. But but the impact oftentimes is much about uh, not your job skills but off your personal skills. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. This is the part I think that because it, it triggered a thought you talked about. You know, we send people to training and so on. Is I've got this. Belief that you know every role, you know, there's the human element and the the job element, right? Couldn't agree and more. And as yeah. companies, we only train the job element. Oh, and we just sort of more. assume that people know how to do the human part of it, which is the foundation, <laughs> right? If yeah. you don't have that, the rest doesn't really matter as much. Oh, I couldn't
0: agree more, Andy. In its simplest form, if you picture sort of an ecosystem, that's what we draw for everybody. So, if I put a leader in the middle, and let's just take, we're working, for example, a lot of new CFOs. So, we mm-hmm. pluck people in the CFO role, and, and, and I'd say CFO, CFO and IT and even sales leaders, we pluck them in there because they were really good at the technical stuff they were doing, right? And now, we've put them in this big leadership role. And to your point, that's more, it's not the technical issues. There's certainly They know all this stuff, but it's not all of it, but they know most of it. But what's sure. more about are the personal things, which gets into some pretty meaty topics. Actually, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how is that person going to go create fellowship? Do they even understand right. really what management processes and thoughts as a human being look like? Right. They, it, it, and so I just argue that you know you can go take some classes. But what if I put you in facilitated conversations with people that are great at that? And they start to teach you. And again, all I'm doing is saying, hey, I'm going to go back to that. This is not a new concept. This is how education started. I do have that on my side. If you tra- track the history of education, how did we learn? Wise person <laughs> teaching the less wise person, right? And that's all yeah. we're doing in this concept. And it's those, what people call, and drives me crazy, these soft skills, right? Well, what does that even mean, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, just, they're just skills, right? And a big part of it is the personal part and who we are and how how we behave and how we create fellowship and how we lead people, and other people can teach us
1: that. Yeah. What I think to your point about soft skills, yeah, I agree that the terminology really sucks. And it's, <laughs> it's somebody commented on one of my LinkedIn posts in the last week or so, is because we had sort of touched on that topic. He was saying, Yeah, let's just rename that, right? Because that's foolish. That's, I, 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 since I they're so critical, why don't we call them power skills? <laughs> I
0: love it, and I would say in the sales world, there's very few things as important to this. So if I'm in oh, a new, if I'm a senior salesperson, or particularly I've gotten promoted to sales leadership, I mean, it, and again, you do this full time. I did it because I loved it, even as a CEO. But I can tell you, in the course of what I grew up doing, and the tenure that I had as a CEO there were very specific people that I believe got all of that right. In fact, the four things you just rattled off, which Mm -hmm. I love, that Mm -hmm. that just crushed them. So if I've got a new sales leader Stick with that example. Wouldn't it be cool if I had those three people actually teaching them what that meant, what it looked like? Because they didn't start out that way. Mm-hmm. I just, I just mm-hmm. don't believe in the whole, whether it's a natural salesperson or a natural leader. Yeah, Me maybe too. there's some qualities that are better. I think if we, if we want to, we can learn this stuff. The challenge is, where do we get the learning from? And that's all we're trying to solve for. It's just a piece of it.
1: Yeah, and I just think about it in the context of of coaching. Because you know, there's a huge emphasis yeah. these days in sales, on coaching, and yeah. And of course the problem is that companies don't invest in training their sales leaders how to be coaches. But besides that, <laughs> it's it's all good. <laughs> I agree. Um, but it's it is I could see this being interesting model in sales organizations where they have a roster of people outside the company who could oh, yeah. Be resources they tap not on a weekly basis necessarily, right? Because yeah. suddenly that relationship changes. Yeah. Uh, but somebody that, yeah, you know, maybe, hey, we'll find somebody for you as a sales manager once a quarter to talk to somebody that's done yeah. this. Yeah. That's yeah. They're not going to be holding your feet to the fire every week, but but that's right. can. Help you. No, that's exactly right, Andy. And what we try
0: to do, the way our stuff is most effective, we find is we want to do immersion first. So I love getting a hold of, uh, you know, in your case, sales leaders that are relatively new to the role or they've gotten new responsibilities or it's gotten mm-hmm. bigger, whatever the moment the matter is. And then do an immersion. Say, okay, and, and it's funny, people can answer this question usually in five minutes. You tell me, not HR, not your boss, but you tell us what are the two or three buckets of wisdom, knowledge, and experience that you would love to have in this newish role as soon as you possibly could. And if you ask that simple question, most people can rattle it off for, in, in very quickly. And I do it in an ecosystem, so I put them uh-huh. in the middle circle and say, just draw me three bubbles of that stuff. So we do a bit of an immersion for the first three to six months, which is okay. We're going to go get four or five people that are, are that love this stuff and they want to help people, and we're going to we're going to facilitate these conversations and immerse you in it. And then what happens from there is exactly what you said. We want people then to build a network. Most of us, I don't know about you, but coming up in, a, in, in, the, in the corporate environment, I never had a network of people that helped me. I had a busy mm. job and I had a network in our little vertical, but they weren't really a network. And right. so. What I get great joy out of, we do the immersion. And then what happens is they naturally select one or two people that are lifetime Quite candidly, candidly, usually friends, but certainly mentors.
1: Mentors, right? And
0: I I get really excited about that because it, it, to me, again, it's just the most
1: effective way to learn, and 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 it works. Absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I've done an informal survey on this program, asking guests over eight hundred plus episodes about, yeah, how did you learn how to sell? Right, right. And and invariably, it comes back to. A mentor, right? Not, not, not company paid training. You know, none of these things. It's like, yeah, there was just one or two individuals throughout my career, and this is true for me as well, that Absolutely. had outsized impacts in terms of bingo. Yeah, exposing me to a way of looking at things that I wouldn't have thought of before. That's it,
0: Andy. I mean, you hit the nail on the head again. And and and, and, and that's why again I don't like to overglamorize our business model because all we try to do then is bring structure and intentionality to that very point. Because you were fortunate. I was fortunate too. My initial mentor was a very heavy, brilliant strategic selling person right but not everybody gets that or if we do mm-hmm. we were just lucky so all we want to do is say okay if that's your role and that's what you want to go do let's be intentional and super structured to bring that to you right and and that's that's the fun part to me because Once people try that and they realize, wow, first of all, it was easy because somebody else is doing all the work. I just gotta jump on Zoom or back when we had face to face meetings, but I just gotta jump on Zoom. And in 55 minutes, I get a fire hose that now I can go process and work on and get better. And then we get to do it again. Oh, by the way, with somebody else who's got a slightly different perspective, but just as much wisdom. And that's that's what we do. I mean, and it's just it's just so much fun to see people change. And I, I tell people all the time, particularly leaders, and if we get involved in any um, chro folks and this i said look th- this this work what i've seen now after four years and saw it at my own company is i i want it to move the needle i talk about needle movers all the time because i don't want to do stuff that's just incremental for individuals and i only want you to pay us um, when if you see dramatic shifts in these people in terms of their performance their behavior mm-hmm. whatever we're working on mm-hmm. um, and, and that's that's We've been fortunate. That's what's happened so far. Is we see individuals moving the needle, and then companies too that are willing to have the humility to dive into this stuff because it does take a lot of humility.
1: Well, it does. Yeah. And, I mean, you, wrote, you wrote about humility as one of the yeah. sort of five yeah. steps of, uh, five of how to get unstuck.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I love that. I I sort, of, I sort of spun that a little differently in my mind because. Sure. Because absolutely this, this idea of, of intellectual humility is so crucial, because that is the biggest barrier to people learning, yeah, right? Is, yeah. Is, you know, the, if you've read about the Dunning-Kruger effect, uh, the study done by the Cornell sociologist that, you know, <laughs> most people suffer from this feeling they know more than they actually do, and as a result, <laughs> absolutely. they're not open to learning more, right? Yep. Um, and but I see that as really vulnerability. Is the willingness t- to be intellectually, intellectually humble, is really to be vulnerable because you have to say, especially as leader, yeah, I don't know everything. Uh, that's, and that's so, right. oftentimes yeah, when people see this humility, they think about sort of the self-effacing humility, but it's really vulnerability. And the, yeah, as a leader, that's that. so powerful to say, yeah, I, I don't know everything.
0: It, it absolutely is and the, and the only reason I, I sort of doubled down on it in the book is I kept getting asked like uh, particularly people that were sur- super intrigued with our business model and were willing to try it was well what's the number one what's the number one thing you're looking for and what's the number one reason this might not work and all I could come mm-hmm. up with is as long as you have real humility, and I love your mm-hmm. vulnerability twist on that. But as long as you have that, we, we've had virtually 100 percent success. If you right. think if you think you have it, it will be exposed <laughs> in the first five minutes, <laughs> and you, if you really don't, and, and we've had some of that. Now we've gotten through I'm it, sure. we, we, and it's been eye opening to people. But it's shocking when when people and most people will say they have it, but all of a sudden you get in there and you. You can see on people's faces that, wow, these four people in this room, they have a lot more knowledge and experience than me, and I'm going to push back. And unfortunately, we've been able to push through that. It doesn't happen a lot. I've actually been quite encouraged that, um, I think particularly now, I, I actually think I, nothing like a good old pandemic to um, uh, to drive a lot of humility in people if you didn't have it before. Um, but I've been encouraged. I, I found that most leaders have it. it. may take a little bit to tap into it, but most have it.
1: Yeah. Okay, so well, I think that's. I think these days it's hard to get to the top, yeah. You know, without that, I oh, mean, there's yeah, I obviously we see public examples that are the contrary, but in general, I think in corporations you have to have that to get to the top. Um, so the second step in getting unstuck, first you got to be open, you got to be vulnerable, you've got to be humble. Is then you got to decide where you're going. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I like sort of your little way you diagram. So, I'll tell me yeah. how you diagram when you draw the destination.
0: Yeah, I love pictures. And if you're in this, I this client with our room is full of flip charts. I, I'm not a big PowerPoint guy. I love flip charts and drawings. And so, that's why they wanted to share some of that in the in the book. Because again, it's back to what we talked about earlier, Andy. I think we overcomplicate some of this stuff. And mm-hmm. so, I just challenge our, our clients, people we work with this whole idea of A to B. Let's just build the road from A to B. And along the the road are these wisdom gaps, right? But let's be really clear on B. I'm I'm amazed, and we work some really big, you know, some very Fortune you know, 20 companies. And I'm kind of amazed that a lot of times we're putting a lot of effort in a destination and we don't have a lot of clarity of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So we spend a little bit of time on that. Hopefully they've already done that work, but we, we can help with that. But 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 more importantly, is is that road is windy, and that's why we tend to draw the picture that way, because it is windy, and it's windy because there's lots of ups and downs, and those create these wisdom gaps. It's new stuff that we haven't been exposed to. So that's our process, and we have a blast with it. It doesn't take long. We do these pretty quickly. And if you ask people, once we clarify the destination, and similar to the individual I mentioned earlier, uh, same process. We just ask them, what are the two or three or four buckets of wisdom that are imperatives? You have to have these to get to to point B. And people can usually rattle them off pretty darn quickly. It's amazing. (laughs) And the the question, though, is are they right? Yeah, I I, I would say in general, especially if we're with a senior leadership team, I'd say they're pretty accurate because they quickly either get to consensus in a group setting or they realize they don't have consensus on B and they have huge disagreements on what internal wisdom they actually have. Now, some mm-hmm. professions can go on a while because we got to get to the bottom of that. But you talking about healthy, candid, humble conversations, right? If 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 my position is we are amazing at technology and I'm going to check that box because that's not an issue to get to be, and three other senior leaders are going, nope, that's really, really wrong and <laughs> we're terrible at that. Well, we gotta we got to figure that out. And, uh, and the way we do it is we actually have people, that's uh, what that probability game I mentioned, we actually have them score it themselves. They get the grade mm-hmm. themselves. And it's a blast because if you let them do it, they don't really know what we're doing, <laughs> quite frankly. They're just rattling off our, it doesn't have to be terribly scientific, but it's close enough. It's directionally correct. And like I said, I've been doing this for four years and the average score, self-score, and you know, point B is pretty important. The average self-score is usually around 60%. And it's Hmm. shocking to teams once we sort of add it up and do the math and we do it live and we're sitting there going, okay, so B is this big old hairy thing that the whole company wants you to get to. How do you feel as a leadership team that your self-score is about a 60% chance to get there, right? That's pretty cool. And um, it's kind of a hard thing. Yeah, Um, well, it's humbling. It's humbling, and what people usually want to do is change the my methodology in the score, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And then I just push them that I, I, the question I want to answer is who's walking down the hallway to tell the boss that, hey, good news, we got a 60% chance of getting you to point B. And so it, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a fun process. It can be hard, but the point I'm trying to make to folks is that it's okay. I mean, because the question right. really is on that B, is that new stuff? So, so what I'm trying to make the point of is it, it's okay. Why would you expect to have all this wisdom in the new stuff? Right. So, some of the stuff along the way, you're at 80, 90, maybe even 100%. But there's always two or three buckets that you don't have. Well, let's go find it real quick. Wouldn't that feel well, good? I, let's go find it.
1: <laughs> and and so, for you know, for people listening to this, you're in sales, you know, as Craig described, these wisdom gaps. Those are opportunities for you as a salesperson, right? This is this is, you know, we're only at step two of five, but you know, step one as a seller, if you go into a sales situation thinking that you know you've got a process and every customer is just like every other customer, you're gonna be disappointed. And Uh so you have to have the intellectual humility to understand that that every customer is unique. And then you have to help them understand the destination oh, yeah. of where they're trying to go. That's right. And the problem. There are these wisdom gaps as you described that this yeah. is, you know, an iterative process you go through is Your opportunity exists to help them fill those wisdom gaps.
0: Oh, absolutely! And again, I I just I can't get. I wrote them down as you're talking, so I can't get out of your four pieces out of my out of my head. I (laughs) think in ecosystems, right? So if I look at that and go, okay, that is a beautiful. To me, those are buckets of wisdoms, right? To be really good Mm -hmm. in that curiosity, understanding, and acumen, to me, that's going to take the combination of knowledge and experience those would be a perfect example i could draw an ecosystem and that would to me would be my my prototype successful strategic selling person okay and so i would just ask the question of somebody aspiring to be that good of okay you're probably way there at least on some of these so where are the gaps here right mm-hmm. and how would we score ourselves on some of these topics and, yep. and, and and again I wouldn't expect them to be all of them and they're going to be at different levels but the ones that are really really low let's go find people that can quickly fill the gap for you and do it through a series of really intense conversations and learning that's it yeah right and so you're from a sales application the work you do is a great setup for that conversation. Yeah. Who knew? Okay. So who knew third, awesome. yeah. <laughs> all right, the other steps go
1: super fast, so don't get discouraged, yeah. you know. So, so yes, yeah, step three, smart people ask for what they need. That's 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 yeah. I mean yeah. that this <laughs> whether you're doing it for your personal development or whether it's your clients asking you. That's right. um, they do. I mean, I, I tell sellers all the time is because everybody says, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, people don't have time to talk to salespeople, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well. When you talk to a customer, why do you think they're talking to you? That's right. Well, because it says because they need your help. <laughs> it's that's that right. simple. It's if they that. didn't need your help, they wouldn't be talking to you. That, that's right. You get it completely on that. Absolutely. So this is yeah. Hopefully, your buyers are smart people. They're they're asking you for per, your perspective. Yeah. And if uh, you yeah, don't yeah. have a perspective to give, if you've if you're stuck as a seller. In this one model, and you don't have the intellectual humility, and you haven't identified your gaps, then yeah, maybe you can't help. That, that, but that, that, that's you won't that, be in a position to help. That, that it, that's exactly right. You would not be in a position to do
0: that. Uh, couldn't agree more. Yeah.
1: And so, step four: thinking outside the building, not outside the box. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I think this is this is critical. I think that even if you're, if you, again, from a sales perspective, even if if your company doesn't uh, provide the resources. You need to go find the resource. Right. There's a, uh an interesting book written recently by a guy named Roger Connors uh, called Get a Coach, Be a Coach, and saying that, yeah, there's an emphasis on coaching, but hey, the way companies do it's not very scalable and maybe insufficient for what you need. You need to go get a coach or get a mentor and build the networks as you talked about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right, and, and I'm encouraged to hear that because it, it is a challenge um, with so many companies and leadership that this is and. and, and one of the reasons that on the coaching, piece, that's why we wanted to sort of change the name, change the way people think about it, mm-hmm. because over the years, and I don't know if it's your experience, it took on a very negative connotation. Um, and, well, yeah. and, and again, we, we did this in my own company. It's like, okay, well, you know, John or Jane down the hall is kind of messing some stuff up. Let's go get him a coach. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, that's okay, but that shouldn't be our go-to solutions, particularly then when we go to the high potential people and we're like, Which should be great news. We're going to go invest in you to help you get to point B, Uh, and so that's what you know. Again, the paradigm drives me crazy because um, it should be one of the most you know important and positive things that we can
1: do. I believe. Well, unfortunately, increasingly in sales, coaching is deal coaching, opportunity coaching. Let's look at your pipeline. What do we need? As opposed to. What do I need to do to help this person become the best version of themselves?
0: Oh, I, and absolutely. and that
1: that part increasingly is missing because now that we have the ability and such uh, insight from a data perspective into the activ- every activity that a seller takes, the tendency is to fall back on those those metrics as opposed to the oh.
0: person. Couldn't agree more, and and it drives me a little nuts. So because we do s- quite a bit of work around strategic selling, advisory board work, and different parts of the because I love strategic selling and sales mm-hmm. process. And and it's so funny that usually the conversations start with. So the output of this is you're going to teach everybody how to close more business. I'm like hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, it's not really what we're talking about here. And again, I go back to your four part moral- model. No. I know I can raise when whatever your things are we we can raise that IQ quickly through our methodology and if done right and these are the in your case the four right things or this company's three right things then yes by definition they should be more effective <laughs> but I share your frustration when it's 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 this tactical fixation of there's some magic wand that we can wash over a salesperson and they go from twenty to forty percent close rate the next day super goofy, I think
1: yeah yeah that's that's a topic <laughs> you and I can talk about uh, <laughs> off that one that one drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah I, I, you know for people listening, I really encourage you to grab the book um uh, yeah, because if you're feeling stuck, I think like a lot of salespeople feel stuck these days.
0: <laughs> Absolutely,
1: and and part of that is that again is the impact of, of embrace of technology is that our processes have become much more compliance oriented. Let's say, and and as individuals, it'd be interesting your take on this actually because you came up through sales. Is, is there's a lot less autonomy given to sellers these days. I don't know if you see that. Oh, a part of the I agree. Yeah. And the way you become good is by learning how to do things your way, I believe. And it requires a certain amount of autonomy. And I actually encourage people to um grab it. Yeah, even if you don't even have to push back on your, your boss. I mean that's how I I came up through sales. Yeah. I had a reputation for never saying yes to anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, a boss said, I think you should do something this way. Yeah. I'd say, well, let me think about that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and because I knew it was yeah, you know, I was responsible for the delivering the outcome, and oftentimes it could be great advice, but I wanted to see how it was going to fit in, how I would implement it, and and you know, some bosses just didn't like that. Yeah, I had one say to me. Don't you ever say yes to anything? (laughs) (laughs) No. I I love it. But I think we need sellers to embrace that, and I see this the outline of what you've put together in this book is one way to serve. I I think. How do you grab autonomy? Yeah, I I think it is because, and again, I go back to what I started earlier. If
0: uh, in the sales context, if on that topic alone, if that was one of the bubbles that we got to get better at, than having an Andy and two or three other Andys who had the knowledge and experience to help coach and teach through that, you're just going to get there faster. And, and, and that's why you, you mentioned earlier, stuck to me, It stuck doesn't mean that we're not trying and we're not working hard. It means we're not getting there fast enough. So this mm-hmm. whole thing is, is built around not a lack of effort or caring, it's a lack of speed. And this is the dramatic impact Impact is it will help people do exactly what you said much faster, and it's, this, it's the power of this other wisdom that
1: does it. Yeah, and I think for people need to think about in this environment we're in where there's you know, this tremendous amount of change and rapid pace of change um, is I, th- I think people need to think about the fact that they need to, <laughs> they need to be able to change at least as fast as oh. their world is changing. Right, I mean, you sort of have to look at it that way. It's like,
0: I think you're spot. Yeah, if
1: you're in a certain industry and it's changing a certain, you have to change at the same rate of speed. I mean, it's sort of analogous to you know, as a company, you need to. You need to be growing at least as fast as your market's growing, right? It is. Um, Yeah, you're spot on. And uh, that's why we do so much
0: technology-related work. I mean, we cross the whole board. But if you think about how fast that's changing from a leader perspective, I mean, you know, what happens in AI today is different than yesterday. You can't pause pause. and go to class because when the class is done, it's something different. But we can put you in front of operators that are super wise on today's news. And it is Mm -hmm. that same in sales. I mean, the techniques, the opportunities to me in sales have never been better. I think high quality strategic salespeople um, have an incredible future for that very reason because a lot is changing and a lot of tools have changed and a lot of methodologies. goes back to the four things that you, yeah. you preach about, but the how-to on a lot of those and ways to do it, there's wonderful people out there that can help with that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well Craig unfortunately we've run out of time but it's been fantastic. Really appreciate you stopping by and sharing sharing with us today.
0: Yeah, no my pleasure Andy. Like I said I love the work you're doing and uh, and really. really appreciate you having on uh, having me on. Love love the conversation. So thank you very much.
1: And if people want to find out more about GXG or connect with you, how would they do that? Uh, yeah, our company is gxg.co,
0: co, and uh, my speaker website is craiglamasters.com. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out anyway, and just love to have conversations and help any way we can.
1: All right, well, Craig, thanks again. Appreciate you. See you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of this show. And I want to thank my guest, Craig Masters for sharing his wisdom with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, we'd appreciate it. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.